to episode 7 of the Football Shirt Pod. My name's Josh and today I'm joined by Dan Sanderson, head of brand at Mundial. Mundial began as a quarterly magazine back in 2014, initially as a one-off for the World Cup in Brazil, and quickly built its cult following into the UK's fastest growing football title. We spoke to Dan shortly before Mundial took the decision to cease printing the magazine and focus instead on digital, including its award-winning podcast, Giant. I still think at their very best, football football clubs can be like a cornerstone of a community, um, however big they become. First of all, can you just, just sort of tell us a bit about um, how Mundial was born? Um, we started Mundial six years ago now um, for the World Cup in Brazil. Um there was a kind of a big collective of people who were in the original meetings and who helped us start it. We had initially me and Seb, who were the, the co-founders, we'd, we'd worked on a, a fanzine called um, Stand, which was sort of part of the against modern football movement, as it was known back then. And what we what we tried to do at the time was there was kind of so many issues around ticket prices and various things that were all under this umbrella of against modern football. And we just tried to give a platform um, across fan groups because obviously within football it can get quite tribal and we wanted to be like, what if we put all these issues in one place? Um, and that was great. That was great for a while. But ultimately, um, every single club and every single fan base has a very different take on that. And it became quite a difficult, a difficult thing to to deal with and we had some minor successes and and maybe some major successes and we kind of help people tell the story of their fan bases and 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 get it out to a wider audience but ultimately um when we were involved in it it was all becoming quite um negative you know there's a lot of negative things and there 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 were certain fan bases manchester united liverpool uh, Wimbledon, all, all a lot of fan bases who were kind of proactive, and a lot of fan bases who just kind of wanted to have a good moan about their issues, and it it was difficult to do that. So we wanted to do something positive within, uh, talk about the positive things within football because we we're both still um, big football fans, and and despite all these issues, which six seven years on are, are, are all still there in various forms, and and some of them worse than before. Um, we wanted to kind of shine a light on the great things that were happening with football that, that you know within those fan bases and within that culture um, probably just for the sake of our, our mental health at that, at that moment in time to be like should we look at some of the good stuff and with the World Cup on the horizon that was a good opportunity to do that um, not glossing over the fact that football can be pretty horrible sometimes. We don't want we don't want to do that, but we do we do think there's some amazing stories to be told there, some really positive examples. So that's how it started six years ago. Um, we kind of pulled in a lot of favors. We did um, we pre-sold the magazine, which gave us enough money to print it. Um, made it limited edition, all these kind of tricks that you do within print to you know to make it feel a little bit more special and then it was meant to be a one-off and i'm still here six six years later and so seven we're still doing it so i think that that's where it came from we wanted to celebrate uh, the things that we still loved about football despite its problems 
and and I think we still do that. I still think we remind people why they love football. And it was it was supposed to be initially a one off, and that was going to be it, was it? Or was there always in the back of your mind? Did you always think perhaps if this goes well, there's there's the opportunity to carry it on? Not honestly, not at all. Not like I'd worked in when I say worked in magazines before. I'd, I'd set up a an independent magazine in Liverpool with some friends, and we'd done okay there for a while, and then it come to a natural conclusion because um, we'd, we'd, we'd run out of money as, as as people often do or we'd run out you know various things got in the way and we had to go and get jobs so but but there was no no great ambition to Mundial we wanted to do something special for the World Cup and we wanted to have a party and watch the football um, with some like-minded people but we never like it was done as, as far as we were concerned after that and I think I think someone got in touch from a brand on like the Gmail that we were running, the the, the magazine from was like when's issue, when's issue two out it was at the time, the the Brazil one became issue zero, but it, they were like when's issue two out? and we were like, yes, uh, um, and 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 they offered us time with with a Premier League footballer, and we were like wow maybe there that's that's probably when we thought maybe there was something in this, um. Because that's when we first time with the Premier League footballer was the the key to riches, <laughs> which is absolutely not the case. You'd obviously been involved in a magazine in Liverpool, and and that had come to a conclusion. So what what was it that you that kind of? Why did you go back to print? What was the the kind of appeal of it? Well, I still love print. Like still still now, print the best the best feeling is getting the magazine back and and and, be, and opening the boxes and 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 um, seeing it on shelves in. In kind of national retailers now, that's still that's still amazing. Um, I think we'd all just we'd all got a little bit tired of the digital wars that we that we'd worked through at the time and the chase for clicks and we were good at that. Like all of everyone at Mundial's kind of done that and is really good at it, but it was it was becoming a little bit more shallow, um, particularly back then. I think that's changed now I, th- I think there's there's people putting out really good digital content now there wasn't really then um i think we knew we had an audience who wanted it as well because we'd done two we sold two thousand magazines um for a, a pretty premium price points you know so we, we knew that people liked having something and i think it was probably not right at the start but it was just when print started to have that kind of renaissance, I suppose, and and there was a lot of independent print magazines coming up who who've kind of gone on to become mid sized, still independent, but but print magazines, and we were like, we want a little bit of that. We kind of want to, we want to be part of that, and we want to. Uh, it wasn't really an industry then, but it was definitely like there's other people doing cool stuff in print. We can do cool stuff in print. It makes it feel a bit more special. Um. So I suppose partly that, partly wanting to be part of kind of an exciting uh, renaissance in print, but also partly because we'd all worked in magazines and we'd never really learnt our lesson not to do it again, <laughs> I suppose. And and I guess the time when Mundial started, so back in 2014, um, that was quite an exciting time to be involved in football as well. Um, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, if you look back, I think football's changed dramatically, even even in that short period of time. But um, yeah, I think we, I think footballers were beginning. Football was beginning to open up a little bit. I think there wasn't 
it wasn't so much just about your team anymore. It wasn't. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, it is, and 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 the match day experience is sacred, right? So we can't, as a magazine or as any media entity, you can't change what people have grown up with football. So there's, so there's certain people who go and watch their team, speak to their mates in the pub, and then don't talk about football for another, another week, apart from maybe with very close friends in a WhatsApp group. And they were, ne- they were never going to like what we do and how we kind of try and go and explore further and and, 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 and in the very early days kind of talk about kits and players and uh, different terms for footballers from in different positions and stuff. That, that was a, at, the, at that moment in time, that felt like quite a new thing to be doing on a national scale, I think. Um, so... It was an exciting time. I think there was a there was a real um, a real sentimental thing around eighties and nineties football six seven years ago. I think I think that's kind of carried over, but it's transformed a little bit. I think we capitalised on that. I think you know we interviewed Toto Scalacci in one of the very early issues and stuff like that, which was exciting and cool and, and, and I don't think we're the, the same magazine as we were then and I think things have changed a lot and I think um, you can get access to content like that a lot more readily than spending £7 on a magazine but at the time three, four years ago for us and for, and for a lot of our audience that was quite a new thing um, you know it, it, you hadn't been kind of you could, you could watch these matches if you really looked hard enough but there was no there was no terrestrial coverage of it like as there had been in the 90s. There was no um, real kind of conversation ar- around European leagues and, and leagues and further afield. And there was no place to go for sentimental content from the 80s and 90s as such. And, and, and we did that. We weren't the only ones who were doing it. There were other people doing it, but there was definitely a resurgence in that. So I think... Yeah, it was a good. It was a good time to launch. I think things have changed a lot. I think people are a little bit more um, discerning, maybe a little bit more cynical around these things than they were six years ago. And we've adapted to that. Um, we're not. We're not quite as enamoured with Isaiah Pelo and his beard and all those very basic things we were six years ago. But like, it it definitely helped us shape who we were as a football magazine. And you sort of touched on this, but um, yeah, the ethos of Mundial. Um, what? How, how would you? How would you kind of define it in, in uh, sort of simple terms? The the, the thing that, uh, while certain parts of the magazine have changed, what's the, what's your kind of guiding principle or principles been since sort of day one? I, d- I don't think we kind of fell upon that until relatively recently, maybe two years ago, and we were kind of bumbling along and making mistakes and sort of half trying to be kinfolk magazine for football and half trying to be football Italia and a little bit of world soccer and kind of copying and pasting and stealing bits from everywhere and, and being quite schizophrenic with our covers um, and the content that was in it. And I think two, three years ago, we we, we were fortunate enough to work quite closely with, with Copper 90 and they basically stopped us from being homeless for a while. And James Kirchham, who's, who's no longer there, but was kind of... was. Um, was quite high up in Copper 90 at the time. He he said Mundial reminds me why I love football, and we we adopted well we nicked it, um, we we adopted it and kind of made that our tagline because we've been accused of, well not accused we you know we were we, we were 
we did look back a lot and um, we'd made a conscious decision to start trying to look forward and start trying to look things in the future that are positive around football and the, the way we kind of fell upon that line is is if Johan Cruyff reminds you why you love football so does Marcus Rashford you know what I mean the, 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 that's the same thing it's it's a person now or a person in the past or or someone who's coming through or a football club or a fan base doing something that reminds you why you love the game um, and that felt kind of, it, it was a bit of an epiphany for us when he said that day we just we realised that tied everything together whether it's something happening now or it is one of those more sentimental Articles that looks backwards, it's still it's still coming from the same place, um. So that that became our ethos, um. Sort of in a backwards way, we got told that's what we did for someone. And we're like, all right, cool. We'll start telling people that's what we did. Um, what What about you personally? When you were you were growing up, what what were the magazines that you that you read? Um, I so I probably just kind of missed the 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 big magazine revolution or the, the lads mag thing with like loaded and um GQ and all, all those kind of amazing magazines in the nineties and and people well J- James James Brown at Loaded who then went on to GQ was was a was a boss of of mine, Owens and Sam's who were all at Mundial and I think it influences us a great deal, but I just used to buy everything. I I, I really liked um all magazines kind of like I read skateboarding magazines and men's fashion magazines and things that weren't um, maybe aimed at me because I'm you know I'm not a skateboarder and I was a 15 year old kid who just wore t-shirts but I wanted to read about GQ I, I wanted to read GQ and Esquire and I wanted to read these interviews I just I liked print and I liked um, kind of these articles that were getting printed in it and the idea of magazines I think the one I probably bought most consistently was Enemy. I think I bought that for like a long time. Um, sorry, there's, there's just like there's someone having a run, <laughs> run about upstairs. Um, uh, but like everything, I think I think yeah, voraciously consumed consumed magazines. Um, I just like them. I don't I don't I don't really know <laughs> I don't really know why I don't know how to explain it, but it was something that had a lot of in the house and yeah. like I said but you know to be brutally honest I probably did buy a lot of 442 but it wasn't football magazines that did it for me at the time it was it was more like because I could because I could consume football from football programs and watching it and speaking to my mates it was more like I want to find out about this thing I want to know I, I want to read that interview with Bobby Gillespie from Primal Scream because I can't get that anywhere else um, so that was kind of what magazine they were key into a world of new stuff for me um, as, as they are probably with or as they were with anyone so yeah anything <laughs> loads of magazines um, and you're just talking about the, the um, Mondial ethos being reminding you why you love football um, why do you love football? Um, football just reminds me of, of family really I think um, I think it's just something that kind of, especially like my mum's an Evertonian, my dad's a Liverpool and it's just always been kind of absolutely central to our lives. Um, every weekend, one half of the family would be going to Goodison, one half would be going, you know, going away to West Liverpool or going to Anfield. So 
it, it just reminds me of growing up. It reminds me of every conversation I had in school with every friend I've ever had. It was kind of something to fall back on. Um, when you when you're away from home, it, it it's the fair, like I'm from just outside Liverpool, but like my accent speaks enough to, to for it's the first thing that people say to me when I'm when I'm abroad is like Liverpool Football Club. Um, it's it just reminds me of being home and, and with family and um, yeah, like sitting around and watching watching games games with family. I think. Currently, it feels very weird to be sort of interacting with football without having family around to, to, to bounce stuff off and to be like, what do you think is going to happen here? What do you... So that, it means home to me, and I think it means home to um, a lot of people. I still think at their very best, football football clubs can be like a cornerstone of a community, um, however big they become and, and however kind of grotesque the amount of money around it. Um Becomes, I, th- I think that's what that's what football should be. It should be where people congregate to, to be a community and um and to, and there's family families kind of integral to that. No, definitely that absolutely resonates with me because I was talking to um, a friend who's uh, she's Swedish and she, um, I've been I'm an Ipswich fan and um, we're sort of talking about she doesn't she's sort of interested in football but doesn't get like I'm a season ticket holder so I go back to having pre this going back to games and um, she, she couldn't really kind of get her head around it and and then the more I thought about it as my dad passed away about 10 years ago the more I, I so I started to be quite in you know uh, sort of devote a bit of time to thinking about what it is that draws me back every week and a lot of it's going to the pub with a couple yeah. to sit with every week of course um, but then you realise actually this is this is the sort of one of the, the kind of key components of my relationship with my dad and that's you know and you, it's a subconscious thing but that's keeps drawing you back and so yeah I, I absolutely get that completely yes yeah. uh, you're right it, you're right it is a I mean god Ipswich are terrible but it's still that uh, feeling of yeah of a kind of going home I never even lived at Ipswich I, I was born outside Ipswich but it was always like it still feels like going going home Strange, strange thing, but it's lovely. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm not, as I said, I'm not, I'm not from Liverpool. I'm from just outside and from from a new town. And my mum and dad kind of grew up in Liverpool, and uh, but that's that's what feels like home when we used to go and see family in the city, and we, when we used to go and um, go to game. Or and I went to watch, I went to watch Everton like quite a bit as a kid because my, my granddad was a season ticket holder, so it'd be kind of you'd go and watch football, right? Um, but like obviously always always went went to Liverpool and it felt like it felt like going home because you'd gone to your family before or after and my dad always talks about um, his his grandma used to live kind of like just off Anfield Road so his dad his dad is my granddad used to go to match and drop him off there and he'd listen out the window and he'd know when Liverpool had scored because he could hear it and st- stuff like that is like. I mean, it's it's pretty teary-eyed, and and Liverpool fans in particular, are, 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 you know, are really good at that, <laughs> that sort of sentiment stuff. But but that's that's what it reminds me of. Like all of that is tied up in millions and millions of pounds worth of footballer when they play. And I think, fortunately for us, finally, um, you get a sense that this Liverpool squad understand that, and and that that that's the best feeling in the world when. Because the fans will always give it, but when it sort of feels reciprocated, that that's pretty special as well. 
the Monday has obviously quite a different magazine to to other football magazines and other lifestyle magazines, and it's combines the two. I just wondered how you how you kind of set about to create something that was so different, and and whether that was a sort of prominent in your thoughts when you when you started out, whether you really wanted to make something that was just you couldn't find anywhere else, or if that just sort of happened as kind of organically. We probably just it, it, a lot of it comes from the tone of voice, and we we kind of write how how we speak to each other and stuff and you can see that on social and you can you can see it in the magazine to a lesser extent and I think that's we we like that and we think it is a point of difference and I think we, um some people don't like it because because ultimately if 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 you're talking or we're talking as we talk people are going to disagree with that and people are going to you know what I mean as 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 humans are they you don't like certain people or you don't like the way certain people talk about stuff. And if we soften that and made it a little bit more middle of the road and um, less with less tone of voice and with 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 less of our personalities, then we might sell more magazines. <laughs> to be honest, we 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 might we might annoy less people. We might um, you know expand a little bit further. But then we wouldn't love it as much as we do and we wouldn't kind of get the joy out of it that we do. Um, which is fine with us because we, we, we're we not setting out to take over the world. We don't want to be the biggest the biggest football magazine in the world. That's uh, A, not viable, but also B, not really our ambition. We kind of want to create something really good for the people who, who want it. Um, so... I think that's our point of difference is we we're kind of yeah stoically stuck to our guns for for six years on how we talk and what we talk about and and how we how we um how we we tell our stories and that's not for everyone and we've finally sort of made our peace with that because it's not you know like but if people don't like what we do that's at first we found that tough to take but then we've got like an amazing community of people who do really like what we do and it and it's for them that we that we create content and and then on top of that we've kind of had brands and clubs and charities who really like what we do and want to give them a little bit of that it, they want to be able to communicate to their audiences as well as we do to ours so finally they like that's the cosign where we're like okay you know what i mean like it, it's we don't need we don't need to cover every game. We don't need to kind of talk about transfers. We don't need to be always on on social. We don't need to um, try and broaden our audience too much because because we've got an amazing, really committed community who'll tell us if we make a mistake or will tell us if, if they don't like something. And and that's this huge band, this huge brands who'd like, really like that. And we, we've got it. Has it been harder to to stick to those kind of principles as you got bigger? I guess it's, you know, you have more brands wanting to work with you perhaps and more people, um, I guess, perhaps getting you to commit to things that might have been out of your comfort zone previously. I'm, I'm guessing here slightly, but has it been has it been harder to stick to those kind of that authenticity and the principles that you started out with as, you, as you've grown in size? Yeah, I, th- I think we've definitely had to ask ourselves the question a few times with with brands we've worked with and um things we've written and things we've put out and content we've created i think we've probably made mistakes 
I think we've probably done stuff we shouldn't have. We've definitely sent tweets we shouldn't have, you know, like there's the, but like, I think we've got the freedom to do that because it still belongs to us. I think, I think if, if we understand where, when stuff's gone wrong or we've gone away from, away from what we've created slightly, um, we, we suffer most for that. We're, we're, we're probably more disappointed and pissed off than, than anyone else in ourselves. Um, and it's definitely become more difficult as the audience has grown because football's so unilateral now. It kind of links back to what I was saying before. Is like people's, how they experience football is sacred. So if something appears on your timeline or on your doorstep or in a campaign that you, you've had put into your feed, that just jars with how you like to speak about or experience football. Um, you're probably going to tell them <laughs> and, we, and we've been told a few times you know like they, oh, what, what's this I don't understand this we don't like the way you talk about that we don't like that but that's that's just because we've grown and, and we've kind of we've we've crept out into all those um, those secret spaces of how people interact with football um, which is natural and it's, yeah and, frust- and frustrating a little bit if it's like well we We've got these thousands of people who really like this, and you don't. But then you've kind of got to respect it. It's like there's there's magaz- you know there's magazines I don't buy because I don't like there's there's newspapers there's TV channels I don't watch. So I think that's natural. I think with people consuming stuff so all the time, specifically around football as well, um, we just have to sort of stick to what we think is good and, and what our audience thinks good. And that's the only way we'll kind of be pulled back on track. Your business model is interesting in terms of um, you know, the magazine almost being a kind of shop front. Is that the right way to describe it? I guess it's quite a nice way of being able to make the business viable and, and kind of insure yourselves against whatever the future may kind of have in store. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think, I think shop front's probably right. I think, the way we look at it is it shows it gets us into onto desks and into offices and into people's homes in a way that Twitter and Instagram just can't. It shows that we 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 care about product and we we care about um, editorial and telling stories. Um, I think it's probably less less of a part of the business than it ever was. That doesn't mean we don't love it as much, but. I think we've got such a diverse offering of, of what we do as, a, as an agency now that um, more work as an agency comes off the back of agency work than it does the magazine. But like we, we, we still absolutely love it. Um, we're still, we're still, um, it's still kind of our pride and joy. And it's, yeah, it's, and it also, it's something that our, our core consumer loves arriving on their doormat and I think core consumer Jesus sorry I shouldn't have said that um, <laughs> sorry I've, I've been I've been in the I've been in the office for the first time in a couple of weeks I feel like I'm, I'm, I've done somewhere um, our readers our read it's something they really really love um, and they're kind of the reason why we keep doing it and I think they always have been right like quite literally the first one was done on pre-sale so they've they've been there from before the magazine existed. So we kind of need to reward that in one way or another, um, in under increasingly difficult circumstances, as you kind of suggested. There, it's it's not it's, 
it's expensive and it's difficult, but it's a labour of love, so it's what it is. What what have been looking back, um what have been the sort of pinch yourself moments that you've had over the last six years? So it's it's really in the moment it's really hard to kind of figure it out because we we know we're super privileged to do what we do. We're like we're really excited, but it's it's also like can be a pain in the ass. So when you're interviewing a footballer and you're not quite getting the answers you want or whatever, you have to kind of stop yourself and go, yeah, but I'm still interviewing X. Like you, you kind of have to do that because you, on one hand, it's your job. So you, you're trying really hard to make this the best thing you can do. But on the other hand, you're in a room with your hero. I think, I think when we realised it was serious was when we kind of got to go to New York to interview Perlo because as I said earlier, he was kind of, the Mundial man <laughs> uh, for the first few issues, you know, especially amongst our readers and he's reaching that lovely autumn of his career and he'd go to Beard and own the vineyard and we played a lot on that and we kind of bigged it up on social and we, we featured an extract from his autobiography in our very first issue, which, which in itself was a bit pinch yourself that they let us do that. But then a few issues later, we kind of reached out to New York City FC and they said, yeah, you can have some time with them. Um, and that was like, okay, right, this is a thing now. This is something that's serious. Um, I think when we got time with Hector Bellerin, that was amazing because that was all kind of done through the fact that he liked the magazine and that he liked what we'd done. And, and as he put it, that we've been kind of a, a, a big supporter of, of his brand through for, for, for some sticky periods at the beginning of his Arsenal career. Um, so that was mega because we got like four hours with him, which is which is unheard of with a footballer. And and, and he, he just threw himself into it and gave us whatever we wanted and brought some trousers that he'd made with his mum. So that was mega. And then I think more recently... Um, being able to get giants out into the world, kind of, kind of working, working with Spotify, and being able to tell these big, bold, short, short, well, not like medium to long form documentaries about football, about things that we've wanted to do for a long time, like kind of talk about Ronaldo at PSV with a real authority and go and speak to the person who played up front with him. I think that was because there was ways we could have done that. Um, less impactfully I think I think there was ways we could have told that story and it not um, not be as as powerful and and um, and on the ground and not you know you can do that without speaking to Luke Nillish but it's better if you speak to Luke Nillish about Ronaldo um, so that was kind of the most recent really cool thing um, which I had absolutely nothing to do with, and 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 I don't work on, so I can really big it up. Um, and what what's the kind of how does this sort of future look for Mundial? What are the, the kind of things that you've got in mind, the, the plans that you have now? What's what's next? So to be to be completely honest, um, we need to survive this year. I th- I, th- I think I'd like I know you're not meant to do stuff like this on podcasts. I think you're meant to kind of big yourself up and be, but like. There's no two ways about it. The the way football's gone, the Euros being cancelled, um, us not being able to get out there and and create content in the way that we really like to create content, us not being able to go and speak to anyone, 
to interview them live has, has massively affected the business and we've lost the football team that can't play football we've done we've done all these all these things which have been massively affected by COVID-19 so yeah I'm just just being completely honest we need to continue we're okay we're still here we're gonna we're still creating content we've still got a lot of amazing projects on the horizon but I think it'd be remiss not to be like let's get to let's get to the end of the year let's let's do what we can let's fulfill um our amazing subscriber base let's let's try and create some wicked stuff and then tr- and then get to those euros next summer fingers crossed i think that's what we need to do as part of that there's some pretty cool stuff we've got kind of a new digital offering coming which is going to be amazing um we've got uh, i think i can tell you we've kind of got new podcasts on the horizon as, as part of series through giants we've got some uh more travel stuff with size and ideas originals like we did with the liverpool kind of like short form documentary stuff and um, we've got some really good stuff but i think it has to be about consolidating what we do um understanding that the world's changing so football changes and then as a product of both those things we have to adapt to that well hopefully it'll be the euros and then and then into a world cup yeah what a year and a bit later yeah and i'll be i'll be like needing a day off by then i'll be kind of cursing the fact that we survived this year Big thank you to Dan for taking the time to talk to us today. We'll be back very soon with episode 8 of the Football Show Pod. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, DM us on Twitter or Insta. Our handle is at Cold Kits. Or drop us an email, mail at coldkits.com. Thanks for listening.